Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. If you got your Bibles, uh, turn to the book. This won't be on the side screen. It's just one scripture tonight. But Acts 24, verse 16. Acts 24, verse 16. Um, last week, I continued part two, but I can't remember when part one was. So it's been a little bit ago. It's been so long ago, it feels like. But I, I went into a series because my observation, not just in, it's not just our, any, it's in every church, but it's across the body of Christ. Because when 2020 lost her mind and the nation went crazy and the world went crazy, we had so much stuff happening. It was just ridiculous. And uh, so it really, at that moment, the, the, finger, the finger was pointed at the church and it's like, who are you? What do you think? You're, who are you called to be? And all this stuff. So the church is like, we, she has been slimming herself down, strengthening herself. It's been a lot of different things happening to the global body of Christ. I, I don't pretend to know. I just, some things that I observe, different circles and all of those things. But what I did see was that there was a spirit of offense that runs so rampant, and it, start, it seems to me it's like, man, it just blew up and went wild and crazy whenever 2020 hit, but offense began to run so rampant and increase in so many different facets. And the world is already predisposed to being offended, but the problem is, is the church was already at the same point, and there was no difference like between the church and the world. I don't care how young you are to how old you are, there's just this offense. Like There's people that have sat in churches for so many years, and there's, they look so mad and so angry. I'm not looking at anybody, but they're so mad and so angry in the church. I'm just kidding. Really, I don't know. But it's like they're, it's, we're, oh, I'm saved but I just hate life. You know what I'm saying? It's that type of thing. And well, the church just doesn't provide this for me and it doesn't provide. So I'm going to pick up my stuff and I'm going to the next place. And, and so that's, that's always been in the body, but it just exploded and went to this whole brand new level. It seemed like whenever the political upheaval took place and the racial tensions began to take place and it showed the weaknesses that the church needs to step up in areas to, to be a helping hand too, and to be not the head because we're not the head, but we're members of a body that we're supposed to be reaching out and loving and accepting and embracing and tending to and taking care of. And, and we just haven't done our job. But the spirit of offense began to be spread in such an intense way uh, over all of the people. And it began to show in such a, well, anyway, you saw it. And so God began to deal with me out of Matthew, and I never preach anything based upon something that has happened. I don't do that. I made a personal vow that when things are happening in the church, whatever it is, I will not preach that unless the Lord begins to put his finger and says, hey, speak that. So I waited, I've waited, I've wanted to talk about offense. I know that people get offended when you talk about offense because it's supposed to step on your toes just as I have, uh, the Lord has stepped on mine and people have stepped on my toes and I need that. You need conviction. Be very scared when conviction stops. That's when you get scared. 
Because that means the Holy Spirit, the Lord has said, I can't do anything else with you. He can, but you're unwilling, which means that you're stiff-necked and you're stubborn. And stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. You want to know why? It's like you're just mounting up an idol right into your living room and just saying, I worship you. You know what I'm saying? Why is that so? Because a stubborn person worships their own opinion and elevates it to a point that it's the only thing that matters. So you got you to gotta bury stubbornness. Thank you, Bishop T.F. Tinney. That was one of the most incredible lessons I've ever learned on stubbornness because it hit me right between the eyes. Not my toes, right here. I won't be stubborn. I want to be led. So triggered. That's what I call this series. Why did I call it triggered? Because it's a trap. And when someone offends you, they trigger you emotionally, mentally, that causes you to react versus respond, which is a negative reaction. God wants you to respond, which means that there's peace inside of you. The fruit of the spirit is evident and it's inside of you so that when someone does offend you, there's a moment of pause and there's not a lashing out of, you know what I'm saying? Cuss words and, and slander and gossip. This is the problem is, in the church, we have taken gossip and we've taken slander and said, well, that's just a weakness. But then we look over here, well, there's adultery. And then there's two, two people that live together, but they're not married and they're having sex together. So that's a, that's a big sin. Homosexuality, that's a big sin. But now gossip and slander, no, it's just a weak. No, no, no. It's detestable to God. It's an abomination. We can't do it. You with me? It's just as is. So... Jesus begins to go through this whole process in Matthew 24. Just really quick, quick review from week one. And he gave us a progression and you gotta see it because when your eyes are open and God shows you something, you're responsible for the revelation you've just received and you'll be judged by what you hear and what you know. You with me? You'll be judged according to what you hear, the teachings that you receive through scripture. Well, I just, you know, I just, I don't know. I passed. No, no, no. You're gonna be judged by that. So we take it in. And Jesus said, in the last days, he said, offense is going to be running rampant. It's impossible that offenses are going to come because they're coming. And he tells them, he says, he says that it starts with offense. Many will be offended. And then it goes from offense to betrayal because offended people always betray. And betraying to the point to where it produces hatred. And it just, you keep leveling, not up, down, and it keeps getting worse. So offense leads to betrayal. Betrayal leads to hatred. Hatred gives rise to a lot of false prophets, a lot of people declaring myths and conspiracy theories and all of these different things. And what happens is those that are alike are attracted to its kind. So then all of a sudden there's a great deception. Don't know if it's a great falling away. I don't know what it is. I just, the person, this is what I know. The person that prays, oh God, please don't let me be deceived that is walks in, that humbles himself before the Lord. That's the person that I can tell you probably won't be deceived. The people that, oh, I'm not deceived. I'm not deceived. I'm not, that's the people I'm concerned about. I'm not saying that you're not or you are. I'm just saying, are you willing to swallow your pride and say, God, I, I, just, I know scripture, but I'm bringing myself before you. So decept, false prophets, deception. And then he takes it to a whole different level. And he says, the love of many begins to grow cold. The agape love, the love by choice grows cold. He said, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. The one that endures, which means that you got to persevere, 
which means that you're going to walk through tribulation, which means that you're going to walk through hardship, which means you're going to face some things that are uncomfortable and are, that give you dis-ease. Not an actual physical disease, but an, act, an actually dis-ease within your emotions. So it's, that's what Jesus plainly lays out, and we are seeing it. Line upon line, precept upon precept, manifest before our people and before our nation and before the world. But for us, here's the important thing. How do I deal with the spirit of offense? Spirit of offense is not a demonic spirit that we can cast out of you. It's an attitude. Spirit refers to your heart, and heart actually points to an attitude. My gift of whatever it may be, communication, I might can shine it up another two levels. I might be a five and can make it a seven. But my attitude can be a zero, which is horrible. I can immediately flip it from a zero to a 10. You with me? I can change it. So what you do with the offense that comes to you is your choice. You can remain offended or you can change. Last week I talked about forgiveness. And I really felt a lot taking place in that, had some great testimonies from that. But hear this, if you don't hear anything else, here's one of my punchlines for this whole series, I guess you could say. The greater the offense, the greater the opportunity to spiritually grow and mature. The problem is, is in the church, we have so many people that knows so many scripture, they know so much about scripture, but the problem is, is that the scripture don't know them. Well, I can quote you, blah, 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 blah. I can quote you everything, but the attitude hasn't changed. There's still, you walk around, I, I am not walking around eggshells with my staff. I will not do it. If there is something that is not right, I will call it out. I am not, I am not gonna do that. So forth with the people, and I don't want them walking on eggshells around me. So forth with people around you. That's people that are constantly living with their feelings on their shoulders and they're always in, a, in an offense. I mean, you're just like, I don't know if I can say this to them. I don't know if I can say this to them because I'm scared how they're gonna react. That's a problem. An offense can produce the fear of man and the fear of man brings another snare, which is stumbling block. Offense, look up the definition for offense. It is a snare. You step into it, you're triggered. What triggers you? So you grow more from the most challenging offenses that you face, the ones for which that you've never been trained for. That's when you grow the most. It's quiet in this house tonight. I don't know if you're sleepy, if it's just a lot of eggnog already, hopefully non-alcoholic eggnog, but... You know, we'll see. Anyway, sorry. Um, so I want to talk about the last part of this for the next 15 minutes, breaking free. Breaking free from the spirit, the attitude of offense. Now, first off, just remember, it's your choice. You choose to remain offended. You choose to remain offended. It's your choice. You can be anything you want to be, all right? Literally. So Acts 24, verse 16 it says here, and this is Paul, he's giving his defense before Felix. He's been arrested. And uh, I got to start in verse 15 so I can set up 16. It says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept. Speaking of uh, the, the, the Pharisees, he said that there, being a there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And I love this verse right here. This being so, I myself always well, depending on what your translation, I'm going to say exercise. It, mine is strive. I will, I myself always exercise to have a good conscience or have a conscience without offense toward God, excuse me, and toward man. Paul says, I exercise myself. 
or strive, but I exercise. How many of you exercise? I kind of do. Elijah makes me do it. There's not a lot of hands going up in the room. Nobody, maybe, you know what? Maybe we turn Wednesday nights into, no, I'm just kidding. Turn it into a, a, a weightlifting process. I don't know. But my, my, my point in this, in this whole conversation that Paul is saying is he's saying, this is something that I understand that I have to put disciplines in, in order in my life, I exercise these things. These are things that my flesh doesn't wanna do, my emotions doesn't wanna do, my mental capacity, none of this stuff wants to do, but I make it. Paul in one, uh, one portion of scripture says that I buffet my body, and uh, not buffet it, but I buffet my body. I beat it into subjection because I'm not gonna let my stomach rule me or I'm not gonna let a, a plant called uh, tobacco on planet earth rule me and have dominion. The Lord told me that he's given me dominion over all those things. So I will not let something on planet rule me. Paul says, I'm gonna buffet my body. I'm gonna beat it under subjection and make it under submission to the things of the spirit and walk according to the spirit, not according to flesh. Really quick, to really drive the point of breaking free, I'm... For those of you that, that don't know, um, I love to watch Tom Brady play ball. And so everybody just tuned out right there. I understand, you know, I mean, it's just, he's just the greatest of all time, Kenny. You just got to look at that and respect it. You know, it is what it is. But anyway, so Sunday I was, I was watching the game. I still watch my Pats, but just, you know, me and Bill just have a different type of relationship this day. Um, but they were playing Sunday, playing, it was a really tough team. They, Long story short, they gave the Bills an opportunity to, to hang in there till the fourth quarter, and they should have never done it. They should have shut them out and, and not let them have anything else in the second, uh, second half. But it goes into overtime. It's tied 27-7, and the Bills had an opportunity. They got the ball first, and in overtime, it's the first one to score a touchdown. Not a field goal, but the first one to score a touchdown is game over. Well, the Bills had their opportunity, and they failed. And so I knew, well, I didn't know it. Crystal knew it because I'm, I'm the guy that sees the glass half, full, half empty. Just pray for me. Because I was already saying, oh, you just need to get beat, Brady. I can't believe you. You know, it's just, I'm that guy. And she's like, I literally cannot watch a game with you. It's horrible. Anyway, so the ball comes back to the Bucks, and it was third and three. And I mean, it's just like, there's so many commentators that just say, hey, it's over when Brady gets the ball. The last one to make a drive, he's, he's fixing, a, it's, it's fixing to be over because he's going to end the game. It's third and three. He drops a little dump pass off. I mean, it was literally at the worst. It should have been a, a first down, a five-yard catch, and he's tackled. But Perryman had two to three steps in front of his defender, and that's all he needed. And Brady dumps it off, and it's, this is very rare. But he catches it and runs 60-something yards and scores, and it's a walk-off touchdown, and the game is over, and the Bucks win. Very thrilling to the very end. I don't like those games. I told you that Brady gives me near heart attacks when I watch him play. I don't know why he wants to do this. I think he just wants to make it interesting because he can. But my point in this was, is I felt today, and I know, yes, a football analogy, as I was finishing up the message for today, I felt the Lord say, tell 
them. I don't know who them are. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's just a couple. You've got a couple of steps in front of your defender. This is the thing. You've got a couple of steps in front of your defender, and that's all that you need to break away and to break free from your offense. Some of us have been bound in offense for so long, but, and we can't seem to break free from it because it's like every time I feel like I get ahead, something begins to happen, and I relapse, and I step right back into it. Listen, it's okay to relapse. Just don't stay there because it's your choice to remain there. Are you with me? But you've got a couple of steps, and what you need to do is take advantage of what you've got, and if you'll just keep moving. Because here's the thing. When we exercise what Paul says we're supposed to be exercising, I'm going to give you just a few disciplines that will help you stay in shape in regards to when an offense comes. Because here's the thing. You never know when it's coming. That's why, if I can point you to the very first, very first uh, discipline that has to be exercised, these are going to be very foundational, but I'm telling you, if you will implement them in your life and you will stay to it, regardless if you feel like it, you hear me, if you will get discipline set now so that when college comes, so that when you move beyond college and relationships comes, first off is it begins to call that relationship and that relationship, and it removes this one out of the way. Do I marry? this person or do I marry that person? Wait, what does the will of God say? What does God say? Yeah, I know, but my mom said that he's got a lot of money and it's going to help me out. No, no, no. What does the Lord say? Put that, get your parameters set, get your boundaries set, get your disciplines in order. And then from that place, I make my decision. What you'll find is that you're setting yourself up for success and not for failure. Because here's the thing, scripture, that's your number one, scripture I know it's simple. Where's your revelation? That's it. There's your revelation. Some of you don't read, so there's your, you need to read. I've always said, increase your intake. I don't understand. Just read it. Just read it. Just keep reading it. Don't stop. Just keep reading it. Pour yourself into it. Because this is what I know. This tied to me today. The scripture says, I re- I'm reading, I'm rereading Psalms. So I'll read, you know, however many chapters in Psalms and then I'll slide over to Proverbs and then I'll slide from there into the New Testament and I'm reading something there. But when I get into the Psalms, man, I'm starting to connect dots. And this is the first year. And I was like, hey, that scripture actually connects to that. I know, I'm slow in that. But it's just like connecting for me and the light bulbs are coming on. But I was reading a while back in Psalms 119. It's the longest Psalm where David just simply just pours himself into talking about the commandments of God and the law of the Lord. And we've always been taught, well, the law is wrong. No, no, no. David fell in love with it. And he was a prototype to the future. He was a prototype of who we are because he was worshiping in the very presence of God. God extended grace and mercy to him when others shouldn't have received it, but because his heart was in the right place. God gave grace to him. So I look at David, I'm looking at Psalms 119, and David says, your word is a lamp to my feet. And what else? Come on, holy men and women of God, and a light to my path. Well, wait a second. And I started thinking about offenses. I was like, they always seem to show up and pop up When? In the dark. They always pop up when I feel like it's just right around the corner. And they surprise me. But David gives us insight. Your word is a lamb. It's a light. And I stopped and I began to weep because it began to hit my heart. And I thought to myself, God, you see 
The scripture says that you make darkness your canopy. You see, the darkness is as light to you. You see everything. Men's souls are as a lamp and a candle to you. You see them. So you know what I'm about to face before I even get to it because you know my end from the beginning. You know everything in between. You know my relationships before I come into them. So guess what? The Lord is saying, I'm giving you a hint. If you'll give yourself to scripture, if you'll give yourself to the word, the lamp will turn on. And then when those offenses come, guess what? He's already made a way of an escape. That's what it says in every temptation. Because an offense is a temptation. It tempts you to step into it emotionally or mentally to fall into a trap and to be snared. Because that's the enemy. What is, it, what is the devil's MO? There's three things. Come on. Bible class. Steal, kill, and destroy. Just You review that. He tempts you with the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If you can keep those in, in perspective, then you, you, you'll begin to see things you've never seen. Are y'all excited about scripture like I am right now? I feel like a nerd. I don't know why. I do. I feel like a nerd. All right, I'll keep moving. Uh, offense is an unseen trap. It's hidden, which is why you need to be full of scripture because it lights my path. Increase it. Devour it. Not just read it, devour, but here's the thing. Not, not only do we read scripture, but we have to make sure that when we're in taking scripture that we're actually uh, alert and we're aware so that whenever God begins to speak and he puts weight on a certain word, you stop. Wait a second, there's a nugget. I gotta find it. Where do I mind this thing out to, God? Lead me somewhere. You, you, know, what I, you know what I learned? In Psalms, it kept leading me back to Job. And I love anything that speaks to wisdom. Because wisdom, you can have more degrees than a thermometer. You can go to school for 50 years and have everything. And, and you can have all the knowledge in the world because we have all the knowledge at our fingertips. But the problem is, you know a lot, but the problem is, is it's empty without wisdom. Because wisdom is knowledge applied rightly. God gives that to you to know what to do with what you have. So you need scripture. And this is what I learned about the book of Job. You ready? Listen, all right? Listen to me. Don't, don't tap out and fall asleep on me. Here's what I've learned about the book of Job. The purpose of the book of Job is to teach us that faith in God is better than the answer. Are you with me? We always, well, what about Job? What about Job? No. Job is a question, and what God's trying to teach him is, Job, just trust. I, listen, I don't want to be in that place. Job, just trust. Job never cursed God and he never, that was awesome about Job, but that's just what I've learned about the book of Job. In speaking about offense, let me take just a moment in this. I learned this from one of my favorites. He said this, he said, God, hear what I'm about to say, God has no problem and he doesn't mind offending your mind to reveal your heart. God has no problem offending your mind to reveal your heart. But he will not offend your heart. You with me? Let me take that just a step further so you can understand what I'm referring to. Your understanding of scripture. Sometimes we can become so legalistic about certain things. Well, this is what it means. This is what it means. This is what it means. And then God's kind of like, but does it though? And then he begins to lead you into a circumstance where it contradicts your understanding of what you thought you knew. 
So it offends the mind to reveal the attitude of the heart. Why? Why does he do that? Because he never just does anything for meanness, okay? That's our problem is we stop whenever God corrects us and we think, oh, he's just mean. No, I'm talking about whenever God begins to offend you because I'm leading you. I'm trying to get you into a place where you break free. The reason is, is because God wants to correct your understanding so you can see it from his perspective instead of your own. To see it rightly, to be able to rightly divide words of truth in scripture. You can break free, you can see it his way. All right, I'll keep moving. So God has no problem to offend your mind to reveal what's in your heart. Often we judge others by our intentions and and others by their actions. And it's possible to intend one thing while we communicate something completely, totally different. And so in our process, in our life, we have to make sure that when we're looking at somebody else, because we're always saying, well, this was my intention in my heart, but we look at somebody else's actions and say, oh man, what did they mean by that? You know, y'all have heard me talk about this before that I've heard of people, like I was at a, was at a conference one time and I was just, an earshot away from a conversation, and this lady was there, and, and someone walked up and said, oh, I just love your dress. It's just the most beautiful dress I've ever seen. And then she walked off, and that girl said, what is she, my dress? What was, what was her, what was she thinking? What was she, and they were just having this conversation, like, what does she mean by that? It's like, I, was, I wanted to turn around and say, she didn't mean anything by it. She was just saying she loved your dress. Good gracious. You know what I'm saying? You've met people like that? They're constantly looking for something because there is a spirit of offense. There's an attitude of offense already there. They're preconceived and predisposed and leaning a certain direction. It's like, well, what do they mean by that? No, just in, I don't care if they're saying it with, a, with an ill intent. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate it. I had somebody tell me in delivering food boxes yesterday, boy, you sure have gained a lot of weight. Thanks. Bless God. And this is the funny thing. I'm the same weight that I was whenever I met her two years ago. So I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know how to put that. But so I can either get offended and say, well, say a few other things that I want to say or I can leave it like it is. Uh, my staff heard that too. So it was just wonderful. So anyway. All right. Start to land it just a little bit more. Jesus and talking about Jesus speaking to offense. Because Paul is talking about you got to exercise, discipline. Scripture is number one. Increase it, get it in you. But don't just read it and know how to quote it. Understand the meaning behind it. Um, Jesus is talking in the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, he has a lot of followers. Because you know what he just did? He just multiplied bread. And they come to him, the Pharisees are having their normal little conversation with him. And he's got a lot, of, a lot of disciples and, all right, what are you going to do next? What's the next sign you're going to perform? And Jesus told me, he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. It's crazy. And so he begins to take it a whole new, take it to a whole different level. And so all of a sudden he starts talking about, in modern day terms, cannibalism. I'm not saying that's what he intended. I'm just saying that's what he said. Because he talked to him and he said this, he said, um, you know, the bread that my, our ancestors ate in the wilderness, he said, that was testifying of me. And he goes through this whole process of conversation about bread. And then he gets to the point to where he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part 
And so they start freaking out. I mean, we probably would too in that moment. And so he says this, and then there's a section in John chapter 6. You can look it up. I think it's John 660 or 661, where it says they started, some of his disciples, not the 12, but some of the other multitude of disciples begin to say, man, this is a hard saying. This is a difficult thing that he just said. And so all of a sudden, they start turning away, leaving, walking away. Why? Because it offended their understanding of Scripture. It offended their mindset of who the Messiah was going to be. What did I just say a while ago? God has no problem of offending your mind and your understanding of Scripture to reveal what's in your heart. So are you following me for signs and wonders? Are you following me because you actually desire to know me at a greater level? So after the masses begin to walk away because they're no longer singing, he's not multiplying bread, he's saying, I am the bread. They're walking away, they wanna kill him. It flips to a whole different perspective and Jesus now turns to his 12 because he, he didn't care. He was looking for those that was gonna follow him to the end. It's interesting, he started with 12 and then he, he went to 72, went back to 12 and then the next thing you know, we see this mass following away. It comes down to three in the garden and eventually one at the cross. It came all the way down to one. But in this section, he turns to his disciples and he says this. He says, are you going away too? And I don't think he, he didn't chase them. They're offended. They're running away. He didn't chase them. He let them go. So he turns to them and says, are you going to walk away too? And Peter gets it right. He says, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that was the correct response. I don't think they had a clue what he was, was talking about. They just knew that when he spoke, their hearts burned and it became spirit and it became life. Number two, humility. Possess humility. It's not a one-time uh, acquisition. It's a constant pursuit. It's a constant everyday time you get up into your personal prayer time. Find a way to humble yourself before the Lord and live before God in humility. Think less of yourself. Think of yourself less, not think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Think of God more and love those around you. Pursue peace with those around you. Humility is a key ingredient to going far in the kingdom of God, or should I say climbing higher? You want to see God do extraordinary things in your personal life? Get a hold of humility, lay on your face before the Lord and say, God, I need you. Less of me, more of you. When offense comes, it's something that's coming. But if you live in humility, offense can't take root. Man, I want to go deep in some of this stuff and I just can't. Teachable heart. That's the next one. Scripture, humility, teachable heart. If you're taking notes, please take these notes. These are tools that you are to exercise daily. So I'm talking about exercising. Why do we exercise? So that whenever I put my body to the test, it won't fold under the pressure. So when I am offended, I won't fold and keep a spirit of offense for 70 years or until my life ends. Okay. Teachable heart. Why do I keep a teachable heart? This is probably, I really wanted to put this right up underneath scripture, but they just begin to flow this way. Because a teachable heart, you're never the smartest person in the room. I don't care what room you're in. You're never the smartest person. There is, pro, there is a, I don't care. I can be in a room by myself and I'm still not the smartest person in the room. I know I was saying it as a joke, but really the Holy Spirit's in there. So he's a lot more wise than I am. So I depend upon him more. You have to keep a teachable spirit. You can learn in anything. I can learn in a conversation with my one and a half year old by watching her. I can, 
There's a lot of things you, can, I'm, you have to constantly be. Be a learn-it-all. Don't be a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all. You offend everybody in the room, know-it-all. We're talking about offense. You will. Become a learn-it-all. Learn. God, you're, it, it's 70. I pray that if God keeps us and the Lord tarries and I live into my 90s, I pray that I'm still, if I have my mind, Lord Jesus, please, I pray that I'm still learning. I pray that I'm still more, I pray that you see me more, more humble, walking in more humility, more passionate for Jesus. I, I was reading some of the grace, Robert Murray, I think it was Robert Murray, uh, it was either him or Machane, one of the revivalists, and it was talking about that he was on his deathbed into his 80s, and they said that he couldn't get on his knees and pray, but he would lay on his back and he would pray in the Holy Ghost, and he would continue, and tears would stream down his, and wet his pillow, praying for the salvation of his nation. And I was just thinking about, he still, the fire was still burning at 80 something years old before he took his last breath. That's what I want to be like. I don't want to live offended. I don't want to live a lifestyle of offense. Keep a teachable heart. The scripture talks about delight yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? Become clay in the hands of God and let him mold you. Because if you don't let him mold you, then that means he can't prune you. And that means you have no part with him. He'll cut you loose and he'll throw you out and you'll be burned in the fire as John 15 talks about. I, don't want, I want to be moldable. I want to be teachable so that he can instill his desires in me. And so I can see the fulfillment of my life in this plan, on this planet Become what he asked. Teachable heart. The love of God has to be evident and practiced on a daily basis. So scripture, humility, teachable heart, love of God. What is the love that I'm referring to? It's the love that Jesus said that the love of many will grow cold. What is that love? I don't know if it's agapeo or agape. Whatever you want to say, that's the one that I'm referring to. It's the love by choice, not by feeling. I choose to love you because you're made in the image of God. You're made in the likeness of God. I choose to love you even though if you may not be a believer, I choose to love you because you're made in his image. I choose to love you because you're also a believer. I choose to love you because God has instilled gifts in you so I can honor you on those three levels. All right, I gotta keep going. And the last thing, you ready for this? This is closing this thing up. Demetri, if you would. The last thing, I don't know if you're ready for it. I'm making it out to be a bigger deal than what it actually is, but it's just a big deal because this is one thing that I've truly understood and everything that I've faced, I got planted. I planted myself in a house and I wanna read. Do you have, you have your Bibles? Do you have your iPhones? I want everybody in the room, everybody that has access to some type of scripture, turn to Psalm 92. I have underlined this probably too much in my Bible because God still speaks to me from it. Psalm 92. And verse 12. Get planted. Look to somebody beside you, and if you don't have somebody beside you, just say it into the air. Say, get planted. Get planted. Verse 12 says, the righteous... That means those that live upright before the Lord, the righteous shall, what's the next word? I don't know what your translation, just say it. I loved it. I don't even know what everybody said, but it was just so many different translations. Shall, mine says they shall flourish. Hey, come on, stand to your feet, just for a moment. I got a baptism here at the end, but we're gonna, we're gonna rejoice with Sarah as we baptize her. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Do you understand, have you seen hurricanes? 
and seen the palm trees, everything else, houses, everything's flying in the wind, but that palm tree is just, it's bent like almost all the way over to its side, back and forth, and it's hanging in there. It's not going nowhere because the root system is solid. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree because when the winds begin to blow and the storms begin to rage, you're still rooted. And what is David talking about? He's talking about a physical house. He is. He's talking about a physical house. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon, same scenario, very strong, used to build uh, Solomon's temple. Says those who are planted, not those who transplant themselves every three to six months or every three to five years. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I love this. They shall bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fresh. What's your translation say right there? They shall be what? Say it again. Okay, fresh and green. So fresh and so clean, I guess. I don't know. I feel like that'd be the modern urban translation. So fresh and so clean, clean in the house of God. It says they shall bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Man, David made fresh. He made it pop before it actually truly became famous. They shall be fresh. Mine means they shall be full of oil. They shall be full of oil and <laughs> fat is what flourishing means. They shall be full of oil and flourishing to declare that there is, the Lord is upright. All right, I'll stop right there. So the last thing is I was saying to get planted, I wanna tell you, Everybody, for the most part, most of everybody in this room knows my heart. So what I'm about to say, I, I don't mean to offend you, but I'm, I'm gonna say, you have no right to uproot your, yourself from a house that God hasn't spoke to you to uproot yourself from. Now, here's the thing. Let me, let me say something. Here's the deal. The reason why is because where God has called you to and he has tell, he's told you to plant yourself, serve, become a part, give, whatever that may be. When you plant yourself there, there's a flourishing process that begins to come. So what begins to happen? What happens is, is your family begins to flourish and God shows up in services. God shows up in different aspects of when the community and the body of Christ comes together. And all of a sudden what you begin to see is that there's blessing beginning to increase and flow upon your life. My point to all this is being, if God hasn't told you to lift yourself and move yourself somewhere, don't do it. Do not do it. I don't care how bad it gets, don't do it. You wait on a word from the Lord. I don't know why I'm saying this. It doesn't make sense for me to say this, but y'all know my heart on this. And that's why I will never leave this house until the Lord lifts his hand off of me and tells me to go. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care if the people turn themselves on me. I can't leave until he lifts me, lifts his hand off of my life and says, it's time to go. I have no intention to go anywhere. I'm just saying, that's the importance of knowing where you're called, plant yourself in that house, become a part of it. Why? Because there's flourishing. Your family flourishes, your marriage flourishes, your finances when you live according to the covenant of tithing. I don't have time to get into that, but that's in a whole other dominion, a whole other aspect of it. So tonight, as we wrap this up on disciplines, and I talk about breaking free, I just gave you some. I just gave you some things to break free from. 
And I want to pray over you really quick, and then I'm going to baptize Sarah, and I want the fact y'all can, y'all can come up. So if you would, uh, tonight, just as a, a, a sign of saying, God, I receive, lift your hands to the Lord and let me pray over you. Father, I pray over this house. I thank you for the people that you've sent into the house. Lord, tonight, I pray that through the message that there has been a breaking off of old mindsets. I pray, God, that you were instilling kingdom into their hearts. And I pray that if there are those that are offended and are struggling with the spirit and an attitude of offense, that tonight, God, right now in this moment, I want you to take a moment. And if, if you would, Andrew, just drop the lights for just a moment for a time of intimacy between them and the Lord. I want you to confess it before God and say, God, I have been offended about so-and-so or this situation. Begin to verbalize it out of your mouth and begin to tell the Lord, God, I'm giving it to you. I choose not to walk in offense any longer. This has been a stumbling block to me. The enemy has used it in so many different facets of my life and I am not walking in offense no longer. Come on, you and the Lord, just a few moments. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.